Hello, thank you for joining us for the Seed to Sow podcast. My prayer is that you will be blessed by today's word. Matthew chapter 21 verses 28 through 32. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the sons did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Don't talk about it, be about it. This short passage of scripture is one of many parables Jesus told during his earthly ministry. A parable is said to be an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus frequently used parables in his teaching and in his encounters with the chief priests and elders of the people who were skeptical and unbelieving. The Pharisees and chief priests and elders doubted who Jesus was, but they couldn't deny that he taught with authority and they had not seen this kind of authority before. There were several reasons Jesus taught using parables. First, Jesus' enemies were always looking for reasons to accuse him and to use his words against him. Luke 11:53 says, when Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions waiting to catch him in something he might say. The second reason Jesus used parables was that he wanted his listeners to not just hear what he was saying, but to understand the spiritual meaning. In Matthew 13, the disciples asked Jesus why he spoke to the people in parables. Jesus said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. The prophet Isaiah said, You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. In other words, it's possible to hear God's word, but not understand, and to see God's work in your life, and not perceive what he is accomplishing. Jesus knew that not everyone in the crowds around him was really devoted to him or receptive to his teaching. Jesus knew everyone would not understand the deep, profound, divine truths he was trying to convey. The use of parables pierced the hearts of those who were sincerely seeking to know him. 
but the meaning was not clear to those whose understanding had not been quickened by the Holy Spirit. My mother had a saying, everybody talking about heaven ain't going. It's worth noting that in this one book of Matthew, Jesus told 22 parables. Since he was entering the final days of his earthly ministry, maybe Jesus felt an urgency to teach as many lessons as he could before he departed his earthly journey. Jesus' time on earth was not a flowery bed of ease. He wasn't immediately or enthusiastically received by the religious establishment. In fact, the chief priests and elders were some of his greatest detractors. It's not difficult to understand why the temple authorities would feel threatened by Jesus. After all, more and more people were flocking to him. The blind were made to see, the lame were made to walk, and people were being delivered from demon possession. People were healed and raised from the dead. Jesus' followers didn't just have life, but they had life more abundantly. People in the religious establishment wanted to maintain the status quo. They saw Jesus as a disruptor. He was turning people to a new way, a relationship with God based on grace and not works. This was a threat to their authority. As far as they were concerned, Jesus was causing trouble, and it wasn't good trouble. I'll tell you a secret. When you get saved and you really begin to live a spirit-filled life, when you begin to have that unexplainable joy, everybody around you is not going to be happy about it. There are some people who enjoy seeing you helpless and hopeless because they are helpless and hopeless. This parable tells the story of a father with two sons. The scripture says the father went to the first son and said, go and work today in the vineyard. The first son's response was immediately negative. He said, I will not. But later he changed his mind. We can all identify with what this son responded to and the way he responded. We can also imagine some of the reasons he initially said he would not go. First, the father's instruction required action. He said, go and work. This meant the son had to stop whatever he was doing, go to the vineyard and work in the vineyard. Jesus has given us instructions about the work he has given us to do. Mark 16 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go is an active verb. Jesus' instruction was not wait until people come to you and share the gospel. He said, go. Many of us don't mind waiting in our churches until somebody comes to share our worship services, but we're really not focused on going. The father said, go and work. When we are saved, we have work to do. You've heard me tell the story, perhaps, of how I called the phone company one day to change my service plan. The customer service representative was very nice and made a lot of conversation, asking me questions. I think she was trying to figure out if I was willing to spend some more money. Then she said, well, the first thing we need to do 
is look back at your records to see what plan you have now. We need to see what you initially signed up for. Do we have a clear perception of the work the Father has called us to do? Do we really understand that our first occupation and preoccupation is kingdom building? Many Christians need to remember what we signed up for when we got saved. It wasn't just a salvation plan, a blessing plan. It was for work in the vineyard. We become disciples of Jesus so that we can share the gospel and disciple others. Then the father's instruction had a time element attached to it. He said, go and work today. I would venture to say that the work God has for us to do is more urgent than ever. Hebrews 3.15 says, as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. That word today, is there someone you can show kindness to today? Is there someone you could buy food for today? Is there a child you could buy clothes for today? Is there someone you can help today? Is there someone you can offer encouragement to today? I believe that when we have a sincere desire to bring others to Christ, God provides opportunities and he prepares those opportunities in advance. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every day, God allows us to cross paths with people who need him. And if we pray, God will allow us to share our love and share the gospel. This doesn't mean beating people over the heads with scripture or trying to impress people with what you know. It means first developing a relationship of friendship and caring, showing genuine interest and concern for a person. Finding those areas of common experience and sharing what God has done in your life. The first son initially refused to go, but the scripture says later he changed his mind. Maybe he stopped to consider who was asking him to go. You see, we are most quickly obedient when we begin to have a full appreciation for who God is. Maybe he stopped to consider all his father had done for him already. Maybe he remembered that the father had never failed to reward his obedience. Maybe he remembered that the father had surely set things up for him to do the work. You know, we need to remember that God's callings are enablings. God's callings are enablings. Thank God he is patient with us long enough for us to change our minds, to reconsider, to ask God to forgive us and empower us to do better. But then there's the second son. The father makes the same request. Go 
and work today in the vineyard. The second son says, I will, sir. But he did not go. You know, talk is one thing. Obedience is another. Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? This second son was in a tragic position. First, he lied. Then, by refusing to obey the father, he forfeited the blessings that come with obedience. And he risked the disruption of his relationship with the father. Sin causes separation between us and God. Jesus asked, which of the sons did what his father wanted? The people answered, the first. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. You see, the elders and high priests had a problem. And it is a problem that is still prevalent in our society. You see, they thought some people were better than others. In Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees asked Jesus, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They looked down their noses at certain people. They were outraged that Jesus would associate with tax collectors and prostitutes. These people were considered the dregs of society. How dare Jesus hang around with these people? You know, we have to be careful that we don't allow this practice of discounting and devaluing and underestimating the importance of people because of their race or ethnicity or profession or age or appearance or position in society. Jesus didn't just hang out with the least, the last, and the lost. He saved them. He delivered them. He healed them. And when he healed them, he touched them first. But Jesus said, the very people you look down on are in a better place than you are. They are going into the kingdom before you do. You think you are so high and mighty, but you haven't even believed or repented. Jesus didn't care about the outer position of those who came to him, and he still doesn't care. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. Thanks be to God. Our lostness is the only qualification we need. Hallelujah. Whatever your condition is, Whatever your experience is, whatever your failures are, he will touch 
He will save. He will heal. Jesus will deliver. And he will reveal himself to you. If I could gather the pieces of this teaching experience all together to put them in a little box so that you could take them home, I would say this. First, God will wait for us. God is waiting for us to change our minds. He is waiting for us to realize that he's given us work to do and out of our love for him, we need to get busy. Go and work today. Thank God he has waited for us. Thank God he is waiting for us. Second, God has work for us to do. When we signed up for this Christian journey, it was not so that we could have a pillow existence. It was so that we could bring others to Christ, share the joy and excitement of knowing Jesus for ourselves, to share the wondrous excitement of bringing others to Christ by sharing our testimony. And then third, repentance and faith are God's will for us. God will wait for us. God has work for us. And repentance and faith are God's will for us. Amen. Join us again next week for the Seed to Sow podcast with Reverend Lisa Weathers Hall. You can also reach us by email at seed to sow ministry at gmail.com. S E E D T O S O W ministry at gmail.com. God bless you.